0: And uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, and welcome to the uh, ATAR Cloud and Coffee discussion. Again, My name is Chris Oglesby with MorphWorks and co-host uh, Bill Hunt of the SBA. Again, we're excited about uh, today's guest. And before uh, introductions, just wanna give you a little bit about uh, ATARC. Uh, ATAR Cloud and Infrastructure Working Group is bringing this platform uh, with the goal of bringing lessons learned and ideas to the ATAR community. Our focus will be a conversation about our guests' experiences, past and present, executing modernization and transformation efforts. There is a Q&A feature at the bottom of the screen uh, to uh, to ask questions. Uh, so please uh, um, put those in, and we will get to those as as we get through the get through the discussion. So now uh, on to on to introductions. Um, Tom Santucci is the director of IT Modernization Office uh, for government-wide policy at GSA. Uh, I've actually had the pleasure of working with Tom uh, and he has a great perspective of uh, delivering at the DOJ. So both from an agency uh, perspective and now has an enterprise view of uh, modernization across the, the, the .gov uh, domain. So uh, Tom definitely brings a uh, a uh, great perspective to uh, to today's uh, today's call. So, Tom, welcome.
1: Hey, thanks, Chris.
0: So, Tom, um, maybe if uh, if we could just get into kind of a uh, a little of the personal tie. You and I met uh, on uh, DCI uh, projects or so the the data center optimization, data center consolidation. So, I guess to kind of start the start the discussion. Um, you know, the, the the data center play. Uh, in today's environment, right? We're we're living in a, um, a, a an area that is, you know, data center central, so to speak. However, that you know that's um, that's not anybody's one data center. Um, and so, how are you seeing in, in kind of the you know your history of data centers and now your your position uh, from a modernization standpoint? How are you seeing those uh, uh, those experiences kind of come together?
1: Well, I've been treating cloud as as just a regular data center. Uh, you know, it should be part of the inventory. It should be part of the data center uh, collection uh, that we do on a quarterly basis, and we should 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 start tracking that um, as part of the just the regular inventory. Um, uh, you know, I I spent many times closing data centers in the middle of the night. Uh, we did a really good job at uh, DOJ. They, they, they closed 99 data centers. Uh, they're ready to hit their uh, 100th this quarter. I was a small part of that. I came out of the bowels of the data center uh, in Rockville that we ultimately closed. And um, I came from uh, building a mon- enterprise monitoring system to running Remedy and interlacing the that two and sharing the data between the CMDB and Remedy. Uh, I'm really a configuration management st- person, so I love data, and I like reusing it as much as possible. Um, so we at DOJ we really have many different lists, and we we had a finite. Uh, number of data centers we wanted to get to, uh, so I worked closely with DEA and the FBI on providing those shared services to the rest of the department, and uh, for all that wanted to move there, uh, it was a pleasant experience, it took a lot of work on the other end, uh, and uh, I'm really proud of those guys
0: uh, for the service they provide. So um, I'm going to jump in before uh, I know Bill has just, just one more piece around that. I, I think one of the, you know, one of the things that that you recognize with your experience was the, you know, kind of the need for advocacy, um, because it isn't it isn't uh, necessarily an easy decision, right? You're used to what you have, you can see what you have, um, and you know, I think we talk a lot on the show about you know about the emotional side. Um, you know I think you were mastery you had a mastery at, at kind of the, the advocacy so um, you know how do you how do you see that in in kind of your current role?
1: Um, I had mentioned this earlier uh, this week that you know would any of this happen without a mandate? Probably to some degree but the beauty of this is that we get to put it on metrics and measure it over time. Mm-hmm. Uh, GAO just came out with a report this week, Monday. Uh, it was sitting on my desk. We saved over $6 billion over the last 10 years doing data center consolidation. Um, and I just don't think that we would have known how much we saved uh, not having the mandate uh, all this time. Uh, we can argue about some of the specifics and the metrics, but we need to keep.
2: Okay.
1: (laughs) Uh, Don't don't derail the show, Bill. Sure. (laughs) Wow, I hit a nerve. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, Continue. (laughs) But I think we need to continue it and expand on it. Um, I I think there's a couple different areas that we could uh, expand on. This mandate is uh, doing cloud inventory and just treating it as a data set. There's no difference between a DOJ run data center or an agency run data center to the cloud um, and pick your vendor. Um, You're you're running government-wide applications uh, in a data center and we should know where that is uh, and how much you're paying for it and how you paid for it um, or how you're paying for it. So we can find commonalities and uh, reduce the cost uh, by doing government-wide acquisitions,
2: so uh, you, you <laughs> did hit some nerves there, but I'm gonna I'm gonna let it slide. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, so uh, I do want to talk a little bit more about about DOJ and, and specifically, you know, when you're talking about this about you know the DCOI mandate. So um, obviously, uh, for those of you who don't care about the numbers. Uh, M1619 was the original DCUI memo that came out in 2016. Um, I ended up updating that a couple of years later in M1919 and basically just trying to refine some of the metrics and stuff here. But uh, going back, rewinding the clock a little bit, I'll never forget being, uh, you know, my first couple of weeks in at OMB, being the, the brand new data center lead and being handed this policy that people just weren't really moving anything on. They just, didn't want to do it. And so I, um, I went over to Department of Justice and sat down with the CIO at the time, Joe Klimovic, who is, if, if you've never actually talked to Joe Klimovich, he's just a machine. He just consumes and digests information and comes up with the best policies and is just a force of nature. And uh, I desperately miss him from the CIO council as, as that force of nature he brought to the table but I'll never forget this. Justice was leading in data center consolidation. Like you're saying, like hitting a hundred data centers for most agencies is amazing. That's huge. That's a massive number. And so I went to Joe and I said, Joe, I I can't get anybody else to do this. Like nobody else wants to adopt this policy. That's a federal requirement. And you all are way ahead. Like, what are you doing? What's different? And he said, Uh, He was much more polite than this. I I, I want to be clear, he was much more polite than this, but he was like, I don't care about your policy. I care about security. I'm shrinking my security footprint. It has nothing to do with your mandate or your policy, you little, I mean, he didn't say any of this. He's way too nice for this, but the way I interpreted it as a brand new uh, wet behind the ears policy analyst was like, oh, okay, so But uh, so we talk about the mandate and I, again, I appreciate that Fatara requires us to have this in there, you know, um, uh, 44 USC 3602 puts it in there and requires us to do this. But um, from my standpoint, it's it's not just about the mandate. It's about having the right people who care about the right cause. So there's a question in here, I promise. I'm not just telling stories now. I met you a couple of uh, months later, you know, and we got to sit down and talk about this. Can you talk a little bit about how your transformation journey at Justice was impacted by having that sort of top cover support and initiative to get this stuff done and how that kind of impacted the culture so that you all were able to be as successful as you were.
1: We wouldn't have been able to do anything without that mandate. (laughs) And it came from the top down. It it came from the deputy attorney general sending out a memo, the CIO sending out a memo, and, um, and, It was incorporated in the acquisitions uh, or the uh, investment reviews. Um, uh, Without that top cover, I I wouldn't have been able to get anybody's attention in doing any of this. Um, And I could talk about, you know, some of the benefits of moving and why are we running this data center with floor air conditioners, you know? Um, You know, they didn't wanna hear that. They wanted, I think they, they cared about the business of providing applications to users. They didn't care so much about the data center. And that's some of the problem is data centers an art is a science as much as an art. And I think we don't have enough data center operators, professional data center operators in the federal government. And it's probably not our forte. It's not our core business. Um, we provide, um, applications to make uh, citizens better or provide government so government works better. Uh, We just are not very good at running data centers efficiently. The ones that are very efficient out there are probably underutilized. Then you have other ones that are overutilized that are fighting for, for resources such as cooling or power. And it gets expensive if those things start to fray. Um, so, I mean, I it's, I just like to see if we can't continue to do better in that regard. And, and one of the things I liked about your policy, Bill, and I, I mean to nix it because I love it, um, is, is the key mission facilities, you know, saying out there that, you know, some of these data centers just do need to exist because of latency. And until network costs come down, those things need to stay where where they are. Uh, uh, trying to overcome the network cost is it, there's no return on investment on that, and uh, all you're doing is adding uh, risk to your user base, uh, at least in a
0: pre-COVID world, right? Um, yeah. So are, are we allowed?
2: Are we allowed to call it Bill's policy going forward? Is that it's, is legally? That, it is oh. not Bill's policy, and please do not associate <laughs> my name uh, with anything related for official purposes. Uh, well, so I got a quick question on
0: that. And, you know, and, and uh, um, I, I came from a heavy uh, data center focused company uh, that uh, you know, uh, EDS, right? So I think one of the uh, the defining companies within uh, in the d- data center market. Uh, but you know, it it was interesting. Prior to that, I was I was with a company that, uh, you know, we were we were working with, um, uh, you know, the consolidation of the data centers in the DoD, right, into DISA, right, they, they, uh, the data centers that they were, the mega centers at the time. Um, so you know, has has it ever been discussed on the .dot gov side again? Because there are some pretty world class data centers. In uh, the .gov domain, has has the the discussion ever been almost um, a data center, um, you know, uh, agency, so to speak, uh, that you know that um, uh, could be you know a, a path to kind of the art and science of data center? Has that ever been discussed in, in any of these modernization calls? I'm gonna throw that out to both of you.
2: I, I, I'm, I'm not a panelist, what are you doing? <laughs> Sorry, <laughs>
0: I thought it was Bill's policy. I thought is this, for
2: sure. <laughs> is, this, is this an intervention? Cause you know, <laughs> no, Tom, go ahead.
1: Well, we are buying commercial data centers and, but we don't know how much because we're not tracking it. Um, it's, it's an optional reporting uh, entry within the ID, um, integrated data call that we do every quarter. Um, so, I, I mean, I'd also, you know, I'd like to see us uh, consolidate those purchases, right? Rather than the onesie twosies and uh, buy a cage at one of the data centers. Uh, and we we're probably entered, throughout that data center. Um, so I'd like it to part, be part of the strategic plan of an agency debt. Consolidation is the is to do that. There are some out there. Um, I know of one agency; it's uh, working with GSA on uh, obtaining a data center that's going to completely replace one. Um, so that's good to hear. Uh, and I know um, I know a lot of there's a lot of data or agencies buying commercial data centers. Um, we just don't know how much.
2: I mean, we do have a, I I will say, like going to the original question, there is government cloud that is being built in a variety of different arenas, you know? Um, Justice, for instance, has kind of led the way on, you know, building an IC cloud, right? Like buying up dark fiber, putting data centers in. I'm not gonna go into infinite detail here and get anybody in trouble, but the point being that exists. DOD, you know, has their own clouds that they have built as well. There isn't really uh, a civilian cloud that's been built yet though uh, for civilian government agencies. Um, you know, Cloud.gov, for all of what the name is, is a fantastic product, and everybody should use it. But really, it's just a wrapper on top of AWS. It's not a government-owned data center. Um, I expect, personally, just you know, bill riffing here, some point we'll see that happen. Though I think that people will realize that you know, given all the supply chain risk vulnerabilities and everything else that we've been seeing lately, at some point we're not going to trust. Uh, some of the civilian side stuff to these uh, commercial providers the same way that we currently don't for say IC or DOD for some of those specific purposes that they use this specialized clouds for. So I think that's kind of an inevitability. But um, to tie this back to you know, the, 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 the core narrative here um, that I think Tom and I generally largely agree on, it's about the purpose, right? So, you know, uh, Tom, again, to kind of to, like, tie this back together to what you were starting to, to go down the rabbit hole of a, a little earlier, You know, um, you and I have worked really, really closely and Chris as well on the whole concept of application rationalization. So, you know, it's, for me, you know, the data center consolidation effort um, really was no longer about the data centers by the time I had like picked this policy up, you know, and I went to uh, Margie Graves, who was the, the acting CIO, federal CIO at the time and said, you're, you're missing, we're going to miss the point if we just look at data centers. You know, to Tom, to your point, you got to look at cloud and data center together. And the only way you get at that is if you start consolidating in a way that is fit to purpose. So I don't want to steal any of the thunder here, Tom. You've been one of the loudest outspoken voices on application rationalization for people who are just tu- tuning in today and have not gone through this process. Can you walk us through a little bit about, you know, what is application rationalization? How does application rationalization work in an agency that's doing it properly?
1: I think it, it brings together many different um, disciplines. Configuration management, for one, knowing what you have, documenting it, and keeping it dynamic enough where it's not a spreadsheet in a moment in time. Then you're uh, you're providing that data to people key decision makers, your enterprise architect, your CTO, your CIO, uh, all of the direct reports of the CIO should be using that same data to make conscious decisions about whether an application should live or die and where it should reside. And making uh, also a decision why you want to have that application uh, and moreover where it should reside is, are you Do you need better uh, business resiliency or do you need to reduce costs? Because it's not about just reducing costs. It may be increasing costs and increasing service delivery. Um, Those things are not um, free by any means. So it's just making conscious decisions about your IT portfolio. I did a pilot when I was at DOJ and uh, that agency, albeit small, had three investment uh, line items in the budget. Uh, they had five CSAM systems, security boundaries, and they had 150 applications. And nowhere did that CIO know how those applications were related to CSAM or the IT investment. And it was the first time he had seen that. Uh, and that would seem to me be a good IT portfolio management. Uh, it's, it's really getting into the weeds of knowing who works on it. What's the total cost of ownership. Um, first and foremost, and, you know, accounting for everyone's time. Um, they're spending their time on something. It's not just some labor is not some cost. It should be a tied to something. Attorneys do it every day. Mm-hmm. They don't accountants mm-hmm. do it also. Uh, they they build for most of their time they spend on the uh, on the company, um, it, so that's really application rationalization in a nutshell. It's it's sort of making business decisions, uh, IT portfolio at, at its heart, really.
0: So you know the the, the one thing, and, and we've talked about. Uh, this on on the show is you know the, the concept of the lift and shift right the, the you know the the path to uh cloud first and then the the new um uh, bill policy uh, uh as as uh, it was written um in cloud smart right which was really a a, a, a to, to the point earlier kind of a step back and so you know they I, Growing up in construction, I always try to, to liken things to you know to, to that aspect of things, and and the the downsizing or the move is really kind of opening those boxes and looking, you know, looking at it right and and getting that that value. I, I mean, are there um, within some of the the guidebooks? And for those that, that may not know, we um, we can get directed to cio.gov for for some of this uh, some of the content that Tom's uh, organization creates, but. Are there guidelines that you guys have on basically opening those boxes and, and, and really kind of figuring out, uh, hey, you know, does this picture have any value to me anymore, right? Does the uh, does the shot glass I bought, in, you know, in, uh, in the Bahamas really matter? Um, you know, do you guys have those type of uh, uh, products available for, for folks that are looking to do this? Yeah,
1: it's a good time to bring in the uh, cloud and infrastructure community of practice, which we manage. We have uh, 1700 members, and my whole intent is to have our PMO uh, really uh, build some artifacts for agencies to use today and tomorrow. Uh, You shouldn't just have to attend a meeting to to gain some information that we may be able to provide to you on a monthly basis that we do. Uh, So we are. Diligently putting together artifacts to publish on CIO.gov under cloud and infrastructure community of practice. And uh, one of those is the application rationalization playbook. It was built in 2019. Uh, Steve Nauman was the author, as well as Bill.
2: Steve gets and- all the credit. Steve did the hard <laughs> part. I just spell checked. <laughs>
1: Well, that's
0: a job because Steve can't spell. But um, Or Steve. He, he's not even here to defend himself, but I don't know that we have that much time to have Steve on.
2: Steve, if you're listening, we're going to have you on the show. It's fine. You can defend yourself later. I promise. Yes. Sorry. You need I'm to sorry. get Continue.
1: him on. Sorry. Continue. Uh, Continue. I love listening to him. Uh, you know, the application, we really put together the playbook and we've done some uh, next versions of that as well because it really does incorporate organizational change management. The organization itself, and I've mentioned the direct reports to the CIO, really need to be on the same page of what data they're collecting. Uh, You know, it kind of bewilders me when OMB asked a question on the IDC, how much time did you spend collecting this data? And you should get a demerit for spending too much time having to collect this data. It's it, it, these spreadsheets are just mind-boggling at times uh, that you have to uh, to do this in collecting information. Um, and application rationalization is really uh, getting the foundations and getting the process in place to make a business decision on on an application, and it doesn't have to be a <coughs> We say application, but it doesn't necessarily have to be an application. It could be a service, a network uh, backbone, for instance, or a, uh, a data center itself as a service. Um, so you make those decisions, whether you, you should keep that data center or consolidate it with other data centers. Uh, uh, application is just a, a term that we use. Uh, Steve always likes to say, maybe it should be called the compute or rationalization. Um, because it's not
0: geared to systems or applications yeah and i think that's key right is is being able to, to dig a little bit deeper than the you know the, the discovery tool so to speak right is uh, to really again bill bill talks about right from that enterprise architect standpoint you really need to have that that full understanding versus just a, a sliver right and that sliver can't just be a, a quick discovery there, there needs to be some true kind of deep dive discovery
2: and to that, I mean, we've got a, a question on the sidebar that I'd like to thread, thread in here too. You know, um, you know, Jared asks, you know, what are your thoughts on uh, utilizing software like DSIM, et cetera, for managing um, your data center with a small staff? And for me, the other side of this, you know, going to Tom, the, the question you're talking about, about the labor uh, involved in the data collection, you know, using automated monitoring tools that can kind of get at some of that information for you. Um, so that you're not having to run around to every single like server login, see what the workloads look like, you know, doing all the manual work um, in a facility, I think, can can sh- make that a little bit easier. Uh, I mean, obviously I'm going to be full of myself for a moment and say, we also significantly reduce the number of fields that are required to be reported for the, uh, the, the data center IDC. But overall, I mean, can you talk a little bit about, um, you know, your background as in configuration management, how you can use some of these like automated tools to make, this process simpler and more precisely when you're trying to make that sort of a a decision and adjudication, you know, how you can use these tools to make uh, data-driven decisions?
1: Well, um, DSIMs are really good and now there's H-SIMs that they've expanded on. Um, It's the only tool that's gonna uh, match your physical infrastructure to your virtual infrastructure. Uh, So it's really it, for a data center operator to exist, they should have DSIM. They should be monitoring their their environment, doing rack allocations, uh, locations. And uh, it seems fundamental to me to have a DSIM to run a data center. Um, and then you use that data you know, for not just the data center operator, but for the people populating that data center and your monitoring team. I'm a big believer that you should have a, a centralized monitoring team outside of the application owners. Uh, and they just, you feed, the application owners feed them requirements and see if they're meeting those requirements mm-hmm. uh, through the various servers, shared services that are uh, providing application or uh, that application services, um, And <clears throat> I think that monitoring team is really key because they they have that big, broad view uh, and they need data. They need data discovery can get you there. Uh, although, albeit very difficult, um, you know, data, data discovery tools are really good if they work. And the problem is none of them really work and it requires a big team to put those together. And it probably provides too much data. So there's a there's probably a sweet spot in there of doing nothing versus doing entire data discovery um and finding out what the key functions are because you want to know if the the thing the applications are meeting the needs. Are they uh over are they being overutilized or underutilized? And those are decision key decision points that you want to know uh, whether. You know for when that application comes up for recycle uh or an annual review or three-year review or whatever it is those are things that you need to know to make a decision on that thing
0: yeah and i, I think just to, to kind of piggyback as well as i guess kind of expand on but, you know tom you talked about the art and science of data center right dsim is only as good as the processes that you have uh in that in the in the science of it um you know there is, is a is an art to uh, to the data center as well but you know as as uh, as you look at the, the technology that you want to uh, put into um, uh, into a data center into an organization that, that you know that the adoption is critical to the processes you already have in place if you have poor process if you don't have you know a, a formalized process around you know review application review um, you know, tech refresh, uh, onboarding of uh, new technology. Uh, the the tool is only as good as, as what you have in place from the from the uh, process standpoint. Do you agree? I guess yeah, both of you. So we've got uh, another question here of um, <laughs> Bill. You seem to be. I, I don't know. Maybe it's the way Tom. Uh, you know, Tom and you connected on uh, uh, on the bill policy, but uh, so we got here from uh, Tom Bill. Uh, so you, you know, Tom, Bill, you mentioned the government is, uh, in general, is uh, not great at running and it. managing their own data centers, uh, with some exceptions. Uh, yet the current FATARA DCI scores uh, show nearly all A's. Uh, can you please share thoughts on that? Are the right metrics being used from uh, your perspective? Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna put that one out because I think there's a little bit of uh, crossing uh, crossing uh, pieces there, Tom.
2: No. Tom, I'm you're really... the guest. You should go first on this one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let me hang
1: myself, please. <laughs> um, you know, it's a good time to ask that question because we are going with meeting with the agencies and the OMB desk officers to determine what their annual strategic plan goals are for the year. Uh, they're due in May. So between now and then I'm going to be meeting with all 24 act agencies on meeting and uh, determining their goals. Uh, and uh, I think the desk officers are going to be more involved this year than they ever were before. I think uh, uh, with the new administration ramping up I think there's going to be more attention on on the goals aspect. So it may not be as Quite as easy to achieve an A uh, as in previous past. Uh,
2: I think the question also starts diving into, you know, is, is it the right? Are these the right metrics? Is this the correct metrics? And um, Tom, I know you and I have talked about this extensively. For anybody uh, who's sort of new to the DCI community, uh, back in 2017, I think it was, we were holding uh, through OMB was holding, <laughs> not we anymore. Sorry. Uh, you know, regular meetings through the Cloud Infrastructure Community of Practice uh, through the CIO Council to talk about these metrics and uh, really analyze what makes sense for the federal government. Um, if you read uh, M1619, there's some stuff in there that I think was really well-intentioned um, but really didn't drive the government forward. Like the metric, particularly around server utilization, n- no one met that unless they were lying. Um, it's, it was just impossible to hit that number. Um, because it was so unreasonably high, um, it, it, way higher than the private sector even would consider a best practice, you know. And also, you don't want your servers running at 100% capacity, 100% of the time. That'll burn down your data center. So, you know, Tom, you and I had the conversation a couple of weeks back about, you know, what, what should we think about with regard to these metrics, you know, moving ahead, and are they the right metrics? I'd say, you know, personally, and um, Mr. Connolly and I strongly disagree on this topic that any scorecard must evolve over time. The things that you are measure and how you're measuring it need to evolve over time. And Tom, the conversation you and I had, you know, was talking about what what actually matters uh, with regard to data center management these days. You know, I personally believe that generally speaking, we're kind of trying to squeeze blood from a stone at this point. We've been doing data center consolidation for 10 years. Um, we've closed a lot of what can be closed. All the low hanging fruit has been picked. So we're gonna have to buy some ladders and get a little higher up that tree if we want any more fruit out of this. So, Tom, this is why I really love the the conversations you and I have been having around, like, uh, application rationalization, thinking about the placement of things, because, and the key mission facilities uh, for data management that you brought up earlier, you know, the things that we know that we're going to have to keep, some of those fruit you can't pick, because we need them to run the government, uh, and that's critical infrastructure. Um, But thinking about the metrics in specific, you know, you and I had a really great conversation about, like, virtualization, for instance. So I'd be curious, you know, from where you're sitting and obviously, you know, you can disagree with me about what you've been thinking about with regard to the metrics themselves. Um, You know, and specifically now that we're starting to think about uh, the move to cloud and how we treat these similarly, you know, what you really uh, care about um, from a metrics perspective and what we should be looking at. Sorry, Uh, if that's a tough question.
1: Well, one of... (coughs) One of the things um, to to the um, questionnaire, uh, the right metrics need need to evolve, and I think that's a good term. Um, I think the only the cloud the difference between cloud first and cloud smart was people interpret that as cloud only, um, and really cloud smart just redefined it to say make it an alternative to colo or putting it into a data center and i really think uh, uh, people start to understood that because a lot of them moved to the cloud and determined they needed to pull back because it wasn't uh, cost effective for them Uh, and i think people realize that cloud is not the most cheapest thing out there It, it depends on the application that you need to run if you're running steady state and you're, you're mediocre at, at best on performance, um, you know, if you don't have the big highs and the low lows, cloud may not be right for you. Um, if you're just running simple infrastructure that doesn't expand or have a 911 effect, uh, if you will. Um, SBA is a good example of it needing to expand greatly overnight. Uh, And you guys are, uh, we're really proud of you from a federal employee standpoint that, uh, you know, an agency was able to respond like that. Um, And I'm, to Tom's point, or um, to Tom Beal's point, you know, we really need to understand the total cost of ownership of running a data center, you know. Uh, we could dump millions into cold aisle containment for one data set. Imagine what that would buy on the commercial market for storage or or whatever. Um, And one of the other things that really is uh, struggling in the federal government is how we buy uh, compute. Mm -hmm. The year-end purchases of seems to be let's buy more storage you know which is the most power consuming product we could buy the most it takes up the most space and yet who knows if we even needed it they just needed to burn that money at the end of the year um so i mean i think we i think the multi-year life cycles that i've been hearing being promoted would would help us in a great deal if we'd be able to buy deep discount cloud computing over multi-years rather than fiscal year.
2: If if I can definitely foot stomp that, if anybody on this call is moving to cloud and not looking at reserved instances for your compute, um, please look into that because that is going to save you so much money um please 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 do not just buy the regular compute do reserved instances oh my god please do that uh also cold storage whenever possible you do not do premium storage for all of your data i don't care what your analysts tell you um also you need half the compute that your analysts tell you that you do they're lying to you but i digress uh Not bashing all any analyst that might be on the call. All of those things <laughs> are wrong. Um, so, uh, no, but Tom, I mean, your, your, your point is well taken, you know, it's it's about looking at all of the things and, you know, doing the comparison and the full total cost of ownership. Um, but I will say, you know, maybe you can, you can talk about this a little bit too. Um, you know, going back to your distinction between Cloud First and Cloud Smart, the check is in the mail, by the way. Um, some agencies adopted cloud first so radically that they just lifted and shifted everything and you had every single like little program office going and buying their own little cloud instance of this and their little cloud instance of that um to the point where we're now seeing some agencies having to do cloud consolidation uh because they went so aggressively uh and didn't do it in um a rational wink wink uh way can you can you talk a little bit about like how you can pragmatically approach this stuff so that it isn't just sort of a, an all-in-one, uh, you know, it's it's not always just the TCO, right? It's it's also about these other constraints uh, and capabilities. Can you can you talk a little bit about how to do it smartly?
1: Well, it, it really has to be at the highest level of the agency or department, and because um, <clears throat> uh, if all we're doing is lifting shifting applications to the cloud, we really haven't done much. Um, Uh, So, you know, those redundant applications that could be consolidated to a shared service um, really should be looked at. I mean, so as you're seeing these things come through the IT acquisition review boards that should be happening at the department level, you should be collecting this information to say, hey, I just approved six other ones that look just like this one, (laughs) you know. Um, and and put together a, a a shared service team to really uh, evaluate that. Um, I know that in reality that sounds like a good idea, but uh, um, but but generally. Um, you know, some people, it depends on who's running the project on how much money that would cost to create a shared service, because they become really risk adverse, having taken care of customers. Uh, that's where you really need a neutral third party in there to understand the requirements and the infrastructure to uh, determine what, what is the best fit for that service as a whole and if you may have 40 of the same application running and within your infrastructure. CDM will tell you that. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. What it doesn't give you is the answer of what, what it should look like at the end. Uh, you know, To bring back GOJ, when we had 110 data centers, uh, uh, um, the CIO at the time, uh, Luke McCormick said, I think it should be three and I, found out this week that it was on a whim that they picked out three, but it was a goal. We
0: <laughs> uh, can say that now that he's on the other side. <laughs> he was the host of the show.
1: It, <sighs> there wasn't, I mean, there was probably a lot of uh, information that, that they used to, to gain that number. But, um, but the fact is that you really need to, you really need to pick a number and, and shoot for it. Right. Uh you know, DOJ is down to single digits and maybe they'll never get the three, but, um, but I mean, they've closed 99 data centers. That's a huge success. Uh, DOD and some of the other agencies, DHS does not have any data centers in the inventory. They're a huge success. Um, I uh, was talking to the deputy CIO at DHS and, they talked about ICE. And I had learned about ICE when I worked at DOJ on the phenomenal job they did over there. Uh, they were basically given a mandate to get out of the data center and out of this business. And they had nine months to move to the cloud and they were able to do it with, without any interruptions in service. Um, so there's always something to be said for picking a mandate picking a goal and in, in doing everything you can to get there. Because if you do it organically, where let's just see if we can do this kind of thing, it just doesn't materialize and nobody's motivated to really pick a number and be on the hook for it. It, it provides cover for, for your employees that work for you mm-hmm. to really take on additional risks. Um.
0: So, so I want to I want to uh, on that because I, I, I think it ties a little bit to the next next few questions. Um, kind of asking Dennis a few more uh, uh, detail points, and and you know they're looking into uh, cloud migration and, and server support. Um, but you know I, I I think you know having as a as a company we've obviously done it as as uh, uh, both of you gentlemen and agencies have done it. Where you know again I'm going to go back to where are areas that that organization can, co- can go, right? The, the kind of this shared community It's what we're trying to do here at ATAR. Um, but, you know, we had, uh, um, you know, Dennis, if you don't get a chance, go to ATAR site and look up my Cassidy's uh, session. I think we talked a little bit about uh, there, but, you know, it, it, it is difficult within uh, within the government to go find the successes. And so uh, are there areas within the CAO.gov, within what you guys are doing, Uh, on cloud smart um, um, around kind of the cloud migration and server support that uh, that Dennis might be able to access outside of us getting into a a real uh, consolidation uh, conversation here in the last. Yeah.
1: You know, we run that community of practice uh, monthly. Uh, We have the head of CDM presenting in April, Kevin Cox, who was a colleague at DOJ, by the way. Uh, And uh, that's where we, if you have a .gov or .mil email address, you can join and, and attend and participate in all those. We also have off, an offshoot of the cloud infrastructure community practices, the working groups, where we'll take a particular topic. Last year, it was the cloud strategy document that we put together. We got the best and the brightest around seven, from seven agencies and we're able to produce a document uh, that uh, showed you from lessons learned how you should uh, um, approach cloud um, from the pre-planning stages. Uh, Mike Cassidy talks about this a lot. You know, it was eighteen months to two years before he thought about moving anything to the cloud. There's a lot of planning. There's a lot of uh, looking at your inventory, doing the application rationalization process, uh, and not just moving and then coalescing—it's uh, it's more methodical than that. Uh, Mike can talk about it all day long. Everything you need to do f- from <laughs> inception to uh, implementation, beginning of the implementation. Um, but I think there's some realities here. And I want to mention this before we, you know, I think I found a quote from 2010 on federal data center consolidation initiatives and why we were doing it. It was to uh, deal with the harsh realities of the budget. And that was back in 2010. I think it still applies today. It's going <laughs> to be some harsh realities. Uh, people just can't continue to isolate themselves. Uh, and run their own um, individual niche applications. We're gonna have to move to shared services and that's the only way we're gonna be efficient in this. If you, we, we look at the application layer, we did $6.2 billion in savings for data center consolidation. Imagine what we'd do at the application. layer. I mean, it would dwarf data center consolidation savings. Uh, if you think about, and it's not just licenses, the license is relatively cheap to run an application. It's the, the 10, 20, 30 times labor to run that application uh, and keep that going is, is really the cost savings.
2: And uh, I, I know the 2010 report that you're referring to, if you actually even, because the same language was repeated if you go back 20 years before that to the um, Klinger report, Uh, which birthed (laughs) Klinger-Cohen, which said exactly the same thing about IT management. So it's not like this is new. This is is perennial in government. Every few years, it's, well, we really need to save money on IT and modernize. And I'll say this, the federal government has done such a good job since that 90s report that we have gotten from $2 billion to $80 billion in IT spend. So good job. Good job, everybody. We're really (laughs) saving money on IT through savvy investing. Um, uh, that, that, that,
0: that, by the way, was Bill's allergy medicine. That is,
2: uh... <laughs> Oh, I'm spicy today. Y'all. <laughs> now you all just bring it out. I mean, we all have been working on this together for so long that, uh, you know, it's just as the, all the trauma is coming out. Uh, you know, this is really therapy for all of us, I'll say. Um, but no, I mean, like the points well taken there, Tom, on, on all of those things and starting to, to look at it. The, the only thing I, I would caution is that, um, I have seen at some agencies, how to put this lightly, because of the fact that our budgets continue to get squeezed and IT is the first thing that gets squeezed, your cloud spend, you can't reduce, generally speaking. Once you're invested, once you've lifted and shifted, once you've moved your applications there, like you can't turn down your service level and have your customers be okay with that. Generally speaking, most agencies really struggle once they've hit that. Now, the stuff that we talked about earlier, like you could rationalize that down sometimes and find things like reserved instances and places like that to pick away at those costs. But the power that of the budget that the data center brings, and I, I do want to underscore this, is that you can just not do a hardware refresh. And that can make up a shortcoming in your budget. You can't do that with cloud anymore. Um, and also, as we all know, like Data center practitioners, we don't pay them especially much in the federal government. Those are like GS-12, GS-13s that are like you're know, running around at most. And uh, cloud engineers are GS-15s and above and expensive SRE contractors and all of that. So, Tom, I do want to highlight like there's potential cost savings, but like uh, it's it's really about doing the total cost of ownership that you keep bringing up. And I don't want anybody listening in to think that cloud is going to save them money and make their breath fresher and their teeth whiter and you know cure cancer. Well, it, it <laughs> might cure cancer depending on how we. But the point being, um, but you know it's about that total cost of ownership that you're talking about, and working through the steps and really looking at what are my staffing costs. Like, don't make the um, mistake of the Tennessee Valley Authority and fire all of your data center practitioners and think that you're going to save money because you're not. Right? Like, you have to rationalize your portfolio. You can't just. Do the cloud first and just move everything right. Um, it's it's about the thoughtfulness to it. So I did want to highlight, you know, like we don't want to lose the track of the point of this. Um, well, the
1: smart part about cloud smart, as opposed to cloud first, is application rationalization. It mandates that you do application rationalization. It's it's a strategic document, but it's simply put that you must do application rationalization.
0: Yeah, which I think is the planning part, right? If you if you don't know what you have and you just move to, to Bill's point earlier, it, it really does become a, a, a challenge on the back end of oh crap, how did we now take what you know you had control of, which I think is that emotional part, right? That's that's the that's the challenge of okay, well, I've just moved this from kind of a an OpEx variable that I could deal with to an OpEx fix that. I don't have control over. So Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. I I think again to to use Cassidy's uh, name, which um, he would love, but I mean, I think that's one of the big pieces that you know he focuses on, and it's it's part of the understanding. And to kind of then tie that into uh, to Greg's question here is, you know, is there a number in that you know IT spend that you know that you want to kind of budget, right? And does it tie to um, you know the, the, the specific uh, percentage number as a target. When looking at app rat, I'm going to take it one step further and add the acquisition side of that. Right? How how you know? I think that is one of the challenges that is really on the forefront. And and is is how do you acquire this? How do you acquire? You know, not only the services, the plan, because of the evolving nature of of uh, technology today. But how do you how do you start to budget for that? You know, kind of going forward. So um, again, I'll I'll throw that one to both of you. <laughs> I'll play off of Bill's answer.
2: I've already said too much. I feel like I've taken up this whole discussion with me just philosophizing and and saying how awesome Tom is. So, I mean, I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna be quiet for this one because I just filibustered the last answer. So, Tom, please.
1: All right. So, um. I really, I just think that we need to go back to basics, configuration management, put it on paper, what your inventory is. If you think about uh, some of the initiatives coming out of CISA, they're going to want to reduce the number of endpoints there are uh, to monitor uh, and consolidate that. Uh, You know, they have a tremendous mandate. Nobody likes their job uh, because it, it has so much visibility and risk to it. Uh, i totally inspired by those people over there working diligently to keep our infrastructure safe. Uh, to Bill's point, I think there does need to be uh, uh, identified a critical infrastructure data center cr- as critical infrastructure for the federal government. And whether we create our own and put it strategically across the country or, or do COLO or a hybrid of those, uh, I think we need to reach that decision uh, here soon uh, because we've got uh, we have a tremendous uh, opportunity with the TMF fund and and SIS's mandate to really coalesce on using the same data to make business decisions.
2: I uh, I do want to pick at this a, a little bit and I do want to um, ask you uh, specifically, Tom, about one aspect, which is um, the training side. So, you know, Greg's question is asking, is there a percentage that we should be aiming for? And I always get queasy when people come up with magic O&B numbers, by What's that? That's OMB calling.
0: Oh, they, are they watching the show? Did you say something? <laughs> are,
2: are we in trouble? Well, uh, we're just going to cut this short and, uh, no, no, sorry. We, <laughs> n- n- none of that, hopefully. Um, so uh, I'm always weir- w- w- uh, wary of magic numbers, right? You know, three data centers, 2% of IT, all of that sort of thing. That, that always leaves me queasy. But, but one area that I do like to highlight with, with agencies is the one percentage that you should be looking at is your training dollars. Um, I feel like the thing that makes or breaks an agency's success or failure at AppRat, cloud migration, all of these things is not just the top cover, but whether or not your staff can support the efforts that you're doing and making sure you're investing in your people. You know, uh, Tom, you and I have talked about this in the past too. You know, I throw out the magic number of 5 to 10% of your IT spend should be on training dollars for your staff. You should expect that your IT staff and anybody that's IT adjacent um, should have two to three times the training budget of your normal rank and file staff. That includes acquisition, project managers, program managers, all those people who have to touch this stuff. Um, and I keep coming back to that over and over again because you, you, you have to have the skills to be able to be successful. Can you talk a little bit about uh, what you've seen? Because, again, justice has been somewhat successful um, and GSA has been wildly successful about training and knowledge and how you address the skill gaps in the federal government.
1: Yeah, I can't agree more. Um, uh, you know, a lot of agencies try and bring in contractors, no offense, Chris, um, and and get them to do the implementation and migration from the data center to the cloud. And then they realize, oh, there's nobody here to support it on an ongoing basis. And I can't afford this contractor to continue to support it uh, because they are quite expensive. Uh, you really need to. Uh, one of the things we address in the cloud strategy document is training. Is to make sure your 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 staff is doing the journey with you. It's not being pulled by a a, a leash. Uh, that they are, you know, their 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 ability to make a mistake or learn as they're going, because uh, they you your contractors will make mistakes too. and make bad decisions and. all of that you're right you're better off having somebody with some hard knocks go along that journey with you uh and and provide the training um i mean we we try and provide some cloud training to the user base and the cloud uh community of practice Uh, we trained over a thousand uh federal staff last year uh working with navy uh And uh, we're going to continue that on uh, this year. We're going to publish a calendar of events for a variety of products. And we're really excited about that. Uh, But we, we pushed that cloud strategy document. I, you know, it's 80 pages. Nobody needs to read every page of it. It may, uh, you just read about what sections are yours, whether it act, it's acquisitions or management or um, or training or, uh, or an exit strategy. We talk about exit strategy on a cloud uh, right up front because that needs to be a part of your acquisition plan. Uh, you know, whether you're moving to uh, just buying, procuring it for another vendor is, is an exit strategy uh it it, same thing applies um yeah that's about it
2: i was gonna say like first and foremost um as one of the people who participated in that training i'm not too proud to say that i don't know everything that there is to know on these topics and uh found it extraordinarily valuable last year so thank you all for, for putting that on the cissp training i took and it was just wonderful. It's a wonderful opportunity. Um, and for anybody listening in, I just want to clarify that we, we talk about the the, the, the the communities of practice here uh, a little bit, and I just want to disambigulate. So this is the, the ATARC and MorphWorks Cloud and Coffee show. And so we have a cloud and infrastructure community of practice through ATARC uh, that Chris and I are the co-chairs on along with Tom. Uh, and we try to do a lot of work uh, around building the community. And that's open to the vendor community and the government community. And then there's the separate Cloud and Infrastructure Community of Practice under the CIO Council, uh, which is open to feds only uh, and anybody with a .gov or .mil. Um, and I think it looks like we're gonna open it up to city and state governments as well, which I'm really excited about. And that's a different community uh, that also puts out all these informative documents that Tom has been talking about. So two parallel groups that have very similar uh, and sometimes overlapping missions, but we do very different work in both of the communities, even though you see a lot of our same faces over and over again in both of them. So. Uh, if you're in one, you should check out the other. And if you're in the other, you should check out one uh, because both of them are awesome with different groups of people doing fantastic work. So I, I did want to want to call that out. And uh, thank you uh, again, Tom, for the, the wonderful work that you all are doing over there. Uh, and OGP just continues to you know crank out the hits as far as these documents uh, and giving us all of the information and really bringing the community together around these topics and driving uh, better practices. So just wanted to thank you again for, for coming on and all the fantastic work that you all are doing over there. Well, I work
1: in Office of Governmentwide Policy, but I can tell you that I'm really proud to work for GSA. We're, we're an outward facing agency. Uh, we, our mission is to help agencies uh, government wide. And uh, the collaboration amongst all of the GSA entities is incredible. I mean, we work with each other. There's nobody I can't talk to within GSA and get some help for an agency that I happen to find out about. And I always preach cloud.gov, login.gov, those are terrific services, but you know, uh, whether it be IT categorization or um, federal acquisition, uh, we're all on the same team GSA and we, we continue to collaborate to help out agencies.
0: Well, Tom, thank you. Uh, thank you very much. And uh, again, everybody, thank you for joining. And Nicole, thank you for all of the uh, coordination effort that you always give. And uh, everybody, please join us uh, April Fool, April 1st, April Fool's Day. But uh, we actually have uh, Rona Bunn, the uh, CIO for the International Trade Administration. Uh, if, you, if you haven't heard Rona speak before, she's got a lot of great experience. So uh, please join